Alrighty, we are back. Your favorite podcast show of the week. It's Location Weekly. It's episode number 533. Uh, it's Tuesday, September the 7th. To our North American friends and colleagues, we hope you had a good Labor Day long weekend. Um, um, and uh, yeah, I mean, fall is like just around the corner. I mean, you know, baseball uh, season is, uh, is wrapping up soon. You know, there's a playoff race on you know, it's, uh, it's that time of year. So how are you, Abriana? I'm good. You know, um, definitely like a special shout out to all those people who have dealt with lots of flooding and the aftermath from, um, was it Ida that came through? Hopefully everybody is doing okay. Uh, we definitely got hit pretty hard here in the Northeast. So lots of flooding and, you know, I think everybody's still trying to deal with all of that but besides um you know water you know and just things getting damaged like everybody's happy and healthy in our house so i'm grateful for that because i know there was a lot of loss that happened over um since we recorded last so um but besides that yes i'm good you know my kids are starting school this week and i am super excited for that i'm just ready to have like a little bit more of um, an actual schedule. And I think for the first time, um, since I started with Samsung, I may actually be going into the office this week. Wow. So, um, yeah, I know it was pretty crazy. So we'll see, but you know, um, some good things to look forward to this week. So yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I, uh, I have one, uh, kid who, uh, just dropped off at university for first year, uh, on the weekend. And so, you know, dealing with all the emotions of that in a quieter house. Um, and another one that, uh, you know, goes back to high school, uh, in a couple of days here on Thursday. So yeah, it's that time of year for sure. Absolutely. Milestones, right? Milestones. Yeah. Anyhow, we've got a good show for you. Four stories that we want to cover off this week, and I'll let Abriana start us off. Yeah, I feel like you gave me this story just because um, I recently celebrated a birthday. So if anybody wants to test this out, go for it. But Facebook has launched a new birthday gifting uh, feature, and basically they are allowing users to gift via Facebook Pay. So Messenger users in the U.S can send and receive cash uh, gifts directly through the chat platform. Um, they've been, you know, working on, on connecting the messaging with various apps for a while. Um, you know, last year, Instagram and Messenger users were, were able to, to have like these video calls um, on either app without having to install both. Um, you know, and they're also looking at plans to integrate WhatsApp perhaps into the integration. Um, you know, it's it's interesting to me because I feel like Facebook is is constantly, obviously they are constantly innovating because um, that's what they have to do to be relative and relevant. And that makes sense. But I remember at a point in time where it was like, okay, first they decided to kind of decouple Facebook and Messenger, make them separate apps. And now it's almost like they're putting them back together. You know, it's like consolidation, separation. They can't really make up their mind. My guess is they're likely testing theories to drive more time spent in app um, and viewership, obviously, that drives more revenue from an advertising perspective. Um, you know, they also are, are looking at integrating a, a SaaS company called Customer with a K, um, and that's a, an, a European company, but there's still some concerns right now 
um, the European Commission is looking into um, if that would make, you know, eliminate competition, you know, make them be more of a monopoly. Um, so, you know, I think that what's interesting is from my perspective as a user, I would definitely prefer to keep a clear delineation between like Instagram and Facebook. I think they're very different platforms and how people use them or want to participate tends to be very different. So um, I, I feel like some of the negative energy or um, uh, posts that are very like divisive that happen on Facebook tend to not really be so much of a, a challenge on Instagram because it's primarily picture focused, right? Um, so I think that there is some level of like what people want um, from a consumer perspective and maybe why they would stay away if they decided to couple things together. But, you know, for the birthday gifting, I think that that's a nice option. What made me think about, though, is that as more and more companies get into the pay aspect, right, you've got like the Amazon pay credit card that you can apply for. Now you've got the Facebook pay and with all the money that is moving through these giant corporations, obviously there is a huge benefit to them. Um, I think that there's there's some benefits to consumers as well if they want to um, perhaps use something alternative to like Venmo or Zelle or Cash App that they might be using currently um, and just use the Facebook pay. But I also feel like it just gives so much more power, so much more revenue. Like it is, it really is continuing to grow that. I mean, they're all strategies, um, but you know, from a feature perspective, obviously being able to seamlessly give people birthday gifts of cash is, is a nice plus, you know, feel free to send some over. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, um, you know, orienting this around birthdays and, you know, people I think increasingly you know, or giving uh, money and gift cards and things like that, you know, as opposed to like physical gifts that you wrap up and, and, and deliver. Um, so, so I, I, you know, I, I think it fits well with sort of that overall trend. I, you know, for me though, like I, you know, I, I wish there was more to this than just the money aspect of it. I wish there was, you know, like we talked, a, I don't know, maybe a month ago or so on the show about Hallmark uh, doing some, you know, sort of interesting things around letting people create their own custom messaging digitally and then, you know, um, handling the postage of sending that custom messaged card out and so on. Like, you know, to me, like, it'd be nice if if we're going after birthdays, like, let's, let's tie in, you know, Hallmark into this or let's tie in something else into this other than just the money part of it. You know, Facebook's like, you know, you're so connected to so many people. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, for me, there's a there, there's a miss here in terms of, you know, branding and messaging and, you know, sort of making this more than just a financial transaction that they can take a fee off of. Right. Um, I don't know. I, I, I mean, the simplicity of it, I like, but the sort of the, what's behind it and, and the impact that it could, could have uh, had they say tied it to Hallmark or somebody else. Um, I think uh, is, is a miss for me. So that's all I got to say. Yeah, you know, one thing that I think I have used on Facebook before um, for like around the time of my birthday is just giving awareness to other charities and nonprofits. And I really like that. I think that is very strong because you can say like, hey, for my birthday this year, I'm raising money for this charity. So yeah. 
Um, I love, you know, here's my goal and people can help you kind of meet that goal. And so I think that that's like a very powerful thing that you get to see um, what's important to people and what, you know, maybe their interests are. And I agree with you. There is more that could be done like, hey, here's my favorite stores to shop at or hey, here's what I'm interested in at this moment um, so that you can be more creative because look, I love a gift card, don't get me wrong, but there is something personal about having uh, something like more thoughtful, right? You know, yeah. that has been in place. Yeah. So, you I know, or, or even, even if they don't want to go outside of their own ecosystem, right? Like there's all kinds of small businesses, you know, Facebook knows location data, you know, Facebook runs business pages for these small businesses, you know, surface up local, local brands, local things that people could you know, uh, purchase from or, you know, make suggestions for birthday gifts, you know, whatever. I mean, there's so much more that could be done here than just, you know, we're letting you send money and taking our fees. Like, okay. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Anyways, uh, I'll leave it at that. Okay. Our second story going over to India now, uh, there's a company over there called Nereo. Um, and this is an interesting, uh, sort of, an all-encompassing digital location platform, I'll call it. Um, so first of all, it's an HTML-based solution um, targeted at retailers and, and facilitates everything from geo-targeted offers to uh, mobile payments to QR codes and chatbots and all kinds of stuff kind of rolled into one. Um, and it, it, it's interesting because they, they look at it and they say, okay, well, you know, if you're a small business, if you're a small retailer in particular, you know, how can you build connections to, you know, local consumers around you? Um, and, and while there's not a lot of uniqueness to the individual components of, of these types of technologies, they've been around for a while. I think what's really interesting about what they've done here is they've kind of blended it all into one suite of tools, if you will. Um, so they, they talk about, um, enabling retailers to provide automated interaction to consumers with a, with a location using chatbots. And so basically, you know, they've set this thing up where you can build, you know, sort of like your own uh, on the fly chatbot to answer questions about a product or service or where your store is located or how to get directions or all kinds of things um, that really sort of connect, you know, with that local community. Um, and, and it's really about sort of everything near you, right? As in the name near EO uh, or near you, um, it, you know, and finding those people nearby and kind of facilitating what they're calling geospatial queries. So I, I like this idea of it's not just offers and deals and things like that, that we've seen in the past. It's also about helping answer questions, helping find things locally uh, and facilitating the payments and the other pieces of it you know, sort of all rolled together. Um, it kind of makes sense to me, right? Um, and so, like I said, it's it's a full suite of tools. It does, you know, loyalty uh, programs and all of it sort of all in one. And and the fact that it's through an HTML-based platform as well, I think is is interesting. So what are your thoughts? Well, I, I do love a good chatbot. I think there's a lot of bad ones that are like out there um, or or just chat feature in general. But, um, you know, I think that, for example, like Amazon really excels at that, where you can just connect with an agent and get help with an order and figure out things like very quickly. They tend to be like pretty, pretty, really, like really good at, at that. 
And then there's other times where, you know, I've had experiences like dealing with Wi-Fi issues and it's like a 30 minute process for something you feel like, oh, I could have had a phone call um, and maybe address this in 10 minutes or, you know, so I think that the, I love the idea of, of the um, seamlessness or, you know, if it's functioning good to have, to have that as like a convenience factor for sure, because sometimes it's just not like good to be able to t- you know, talk on the phone. And maybe I, maybe I am on a phone call, but I can actually just like text on the side um, or something. So I think that that's really thoughtful. And I like that. And I love the fact that they're bringing in the location-based aspect of it from a, um, a tool perspective and thinking about like, how can you get connected, connect consumers with other things that are happening in that area. Um, and it's, it kind of is like a concierge service, if you yeah. will. Right. And I love good, that good because word. a lot of times you're like, okay, what do we want to do? Or, you know, maybe I need some help with this. And I remember, um, a while ago, I mean, it had to be maybe seven years back or so I had, um, I had an infinity and, and with the car came this like concierge service. So you could actually just call this number on your Bluetooth on your car to get help with anything you wanted. And I literally used it zero times, but I always thought about that as like, wow, that's a really nice feature. And so I love the idea of integrating something like this, right. With perhaps mobility, um, or, you know, uh, navigation or something else where you have other options. Um, so I think that there's like even further that this could go, but from, you know, uh, a foundational aspect, I, I like where they're going with this. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Um, I like this story, you know, I think this is like right in my wheelhouse, obviously with, uh, my current role at Samsung, but, you know, this is, um, two companies that are partnering together to link digital out of home and OTT audiences. Um, you know, to me, this is not really new in, in essence, like connecting digital and, uh, more, uh, static or, you know, something that is not moving um, out of the home digital advertising, but Talon and Madhive are, are partnering. So they're, they're attempting to connect these digital audiences across two of really the fastest growing advertising channels in the US. Um, Madhive is joining Hivestack, uh, but Madhive is going in under Talon, uh, the name Talon. Um, and so they're trying to enhance their service solutions here. So digital out of home adoptions is growing crazy fast. Um, you know, with the U.S. ad spending uh, statista as, as estimating it's going to reach 3.84 billion by the end of 2023. So those are some big numbers. You know, everybody wants a piece of that pie. And then programmatic digital out of home for the U.S. Um, doubled last year. It's projected to reach about 530 million. Um, you know, by 2022, um, that's e-marketer stats there. So obviously pairing these and creating audiences that see the same advertising or, or renditions of the same advertising campaign, um, throughout sort of the sales cycle, I think is really, um, it can be really powerful. And obviously these companies believe that, 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 uh, combining these channels is going to drive consumers, um, kind of down that purchase funnel. So their, their thought is like, first, we can expose consumers to out of home signage and then, you know, following up with something across OTT where that brand awareness and recognition is going to lead to something like a website visit, sign up for a service, get a quote, you know, 
um, subscribe, locate a realtor, all, a retailer, or all any of those things. Um, so I think that that you know it's true whether one comes first and the other comes second is you know I think uh, a question in my mind, but really they're just trying to deliver those outcome-based campaigns. Um, I do think that right now we're just scratching the surface when it comes to OTT, where a lot of a lot of campaigns are really focused on brand awareness and and less on um, lower funnel opportunities, just because attribution is is complicated when it comes to the television ecosystem, right? Most people are not taking action right there and then within the television, they might go somewhere on their device, they might go in person, on, uh, they might go on their mobile device or their, their laptop, or they might go visit a retailer in person, um, but you're not necessarily being able to track that through the OTT. So by combining technologies, I think that you have obviously, um, you know, a stronger offering. So this, this mindset and this partnership makes a lot of sense to me, you know, having a more holistic view of customer journey, having those touch points across various audiences, um, you know, and simplifying that, that workflow or the, you know, the brand workflow, if you will, um, from the top of the funnel to the bottom, I think is really, really needed right now. So I, I think this is a, a strong announcement. Yeah, I think it's a it's a really uh, strong announcement. I think the the blending of of you know digital out of home and and, and OTT uh, I think makes a ton of sense. We know what the the growth in OTT in particular has been, especially over uh, the pandemic with people at home and subscriptions way up on these types of services. So so I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, I think for me, you know what what I think is missing here, I guess is you know, what's the plan as far as attribution, right? Like, how do we actually look and say, okay, this person saw it here, and then they saw it on the, you know, on the screen here, and took this action, right? Um, and, you know, how do we, you know, think about measurement and uh, and KPIs around this, and what attribution tools are, are sort of available here, right? And, you know, I, I think back to some of the experiments, you know, in on broadcast going back, you know, the couple Olympics go or whatnot, you know, with some of the things that were going on in television to embed uh, audio signals like Shazam and things like that, where you could Shazam the Coca-Cola commercial during the Olympics. And, you know, and then, you know, that went with you in your mobile device into the real world. And then we could sort of pop that up at a, at a relevant time when you walked into a store that carried Coca-Cola product or something like that. And so I, I, I always like look at these things and I go, love the fact that they're blending the two mediums together. I think it makes a ton of sense, especially these two mediums. Um, but I look at it and go, you know, how do we measure this? And, and where do we, you know, how, you know, how are we able to look at the uplift, right? Um, that results from it. And I think, you know, there's tech out there today, you know, like I described and, and many others to make that possible. And so, you know, what I want to see is, you know, from a location and geo perspective and whatnot is understand what billboard did they see that on? Where were they when they saw it? Where are they when they're at home watching OTT and engaging there? And where do they go afterwards, right? And I think if we can look at some of those kinds of things, um, you know, that becomes, you know, just even more ammunition to go out and, and sell more and drive more revenue off of these types of blended uh, campaigns. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I think the other 
hurdle that these companies have is, to my knowledge, there's no proprietary data or direct relationship with the consumer. Therefore, likely this is solely reliant on third-party um, data, in which case, you know, there's challenges around privacy, compliance, any legislation changes, all of those things, opt-in rates, right? Like it's yeah. totally relying on that and, and the aggregation of that and the methodologies of that. So I think that's a, a big hurdle to consider. Um, I think attribution is more important now than ever, but I also think it's harder now more than ever because of the shift in technology and the changing landscape that we have with cookie deprecation with, you know, IDFA changes and opt-ins being relatively low um, and having that one-to-one -one attribution is going to be really difficult. I think that, um, you know, there's going to be probably more probabilistic versus deterministic methodologies that are going to be leaned on here in the future. But I think that it, it's still super important for us to have, um, a model to actually work off of, right? And and track across different um, interactions. So yeah. this is the first step, but there's there's a lot of uh, following that needs to be done. Absolutely. All right, and on to our final story now. We'll jump uh, across the pond again to Singapore this time, where there's a company called Cellarbration, that's cellar as in wine cellar, um, or alcohol, um, and they're they're a alcohol beverage retailer, and they've launched uh, a series of alcohol vending machines in Singapore. What's interesting about this is that in order to access the vending machine, obviously, like in most countries, you have to be of a certain age uh, to drink or purchase alcohol. Um, and what they're doing over there is they're using or uh, integrating into their vending machine. Uh, something called SingPass, which is the country's digital identification app uh, to verify the buyer's age. And the reason I wanted to highlight this story is, you know, right, right now, at least here in Canada, and I know uh, in most of the states as well, when it comes to COVID and uh, vaccine uh, status and vaccine uh, certificates and credentials, uh, many, uh, many states have gone to, I know New York has a, uh, a vaccine passport, digital uh, vaccine passport, California does. We're about to have one here in Ontario. I know several other provinces do as well. And so as, as you know, states, provinces, countries are moving to these types of digital IDs uh, in a sense, or digital uh, credentials uh, in a sense, I think you know, there's a notion here. I mean, Singapore has been at this for a long time. They've had this out for, you know, their, you know, uh, a number of years. But I think there's this idea that what more can we do with these things going forward? And how do businesses start to think about this not being a burden on them to have to check if this person's vaccinated or what their age is and, you know, having some digital passport or ID around that. But how can they actually use that to streamline purchasing and, you know, uh, and consumer interaction, you know, to speed uh, and create better customer experiences. And so, you know, when I look at this example in Singapore, you know, I applaud this because I look and go, okay, they're taking technology that's already there, that's already been issued by the government that every citizen has on their phone. And they're saying, look, you know, age verification is a requirement to, to purchase alcohol. We've got these vending machines, rather than trying to create something on our own, we're gonna use the tech that's already there and create that kind of a seamless experience. Um, so you basically, 
you know, just take your SingPass app, it verifies your age, um, and then the robotic arm comes out and dispenses the glass bottles, you know, with you know with your product, and and away you go. And it's it's super seamless. It's super easy. Um, and and I think that I look at that and go, you know, so many other businesses could be leveraging the tech that's been built and that's out there, right? Um, I don't know if you've used, if you have, you know, now that you're in New York, if you've used that uh, that vaccine passport that's out there yet um, to to enter any buildings, but you know, certainly here, you know, the conversation right now is is that here in Ontario, um, you know, we're October 22nd is the date that the digital uh, vaccine passport comes into effect here in the province uh, for you know restaurants and all sorts of other businesses that you know are going to have to to have that. And I know Quebec's already got one, BC, and so on. Uh, there's rolls out today. So like I think I think there's just this for me. It's like okay. We're all jumping on these things right now because of COVID, but what can we do with them? How can we start thinking ahead about the opportunities that once these things are in place to actually have it be something positive and have it be something that makes the customer experience better? So I mostly agree with you. I sort of have a love-hate relationship with this and this is the reason why. It totally goes back to privacy, right? Yep. Um, I think that I love the convenience factor. I think that having something uh, be digital and just, you know, very easy to interact with is like, is great. Um, over the summer, you know, I spent several months in Pennsylvania and many years ago, my husband and I lived in Pennsylvania uh, before we moved to Atlanta. And back then they, you could only buy alcohol in a specific uh, like wine and liquor store. Everything, there was nothing available like in the supermarkets or anywhere else. Um, and so, I mean, there's several states and countries that have that, but as a Commonwealth, that's how Pennsylvania was. Well, now being back, they have made some changes to where they actually do sell uh, beer and wine in the supermarket, but you have to pay for it at a different register. Uh, they sell it at some convenience stores, but every time you make a purchase there, some places have like a limit. You can only buy like one case of beer or one bottle of wine. And so you have to like, get in line every time if you let's say you're hosting a party and you need to buy you know sufficient amount for people like you have to get in line and do that several times and they scan your id every single time and so for me i was like i felt very um oh my gosh like now they know how much alcohol i consume <laughs> now they really know how much wine i've been like drinking to get me through this move um but you know so for it's almost like oh this how much information do people really need to know about all of, of what I do. And the same thing with the vaccine passport, like how much information do people need to know about where all I go? And so it's almost like, you know, remember when we talked about probably years ago, but in China, how just all of that authority and like the tracking and, you know, getting fined for jaywalking and just the craziness and the, and basically like your personal social clout score is almost what I feel like this has, this data capturing has the ability to do. So my my um from a consumer perspective i love the convenience but from a privacy perspective i am definitely concerned about all of this data getting into the wrong hands and being used for not good reasons so yeah and it, I, I think that risk is always there right with any any of these types of uh, of solutions but i think at the end of the day the reality is is that 
you know, COVID's not going away. These things aren't going away. Like the, the, these types of, of technologies and, and ideas are going to be required going forward. Every country is putting some sort of digital ID into place. I mean, I know here, uh, broader than just, you know, COVID, I know the, our province here in Ontario has already been working on a, a more encompassing digital ID that houses your, your driver's license and your passport and your everything all in one. Um, mm -hmm. You know, protecting that data is going to be paramount, obviously, and yeah. privacy is a huge issue, right? But I think that the convenience side of it and I think the sort of interoperability uh, side of things between countries uh, is going to be interesting, right, as, as we move forward. So I think it's going to be hard to avoid. And so, you know, I, from that perspective, I look and go, why not embrace it and figure out how we can make use this to make people's lives, uh, you know, and experiences a little bit better. Well, we just need Canatrace to like run with it since we know that you are. <laughs> We're working on it. We're working on it. Shh, don't tell anybody. Um, <laughs> okay. All right. So that's it. That's our show for this week. Uh, four stories, uh, you know, uh, covering uh, across the globe there from payments to loyalty platforms and QR chatbots and uh, birthday gifting. So all kinds of things happening. So uh, we thank you, as always, for your time. Uh, you've been listening and watching episode number 533 of Location Weekly. Uh, please reach out if you have story ideas or feedback or um, you just want to chat. I mean, we're always open to that. Right, Ariana? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we'll be back next week with another show. Have a great week, everybody, and uh, we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.